Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, we want to just kind of get right into this one, fam, because it's some stuff at the top that's not fun. So we're just going to kind of do it uh, with me tonight, as always, from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hi, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Stephlicious D. Steph Driver. I have brought a puppy with me. Yes, we have a new we have a new mascot uh, at Broad Street Hockey Radio. A new addition Bear, to the Broad Street or Hockey Radio. Or as I call him, family. Beers. Yes. yes. Beers. Yeah. Bear. He's our he's our new mascot. We he's know our where, pal. We know where your head's at, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> he is twelve Beers. pounds and eight weeks old. He's pretty adorable. All, it's all rolls. All of his he's pounds are all rolls. All wrinkles, and you'll probably hear him whining because there's a lot of people here that yeah. he's never met before. He, he is he is very small. Yes. Like we we called Cole Caulfield the small goal boy. He is the small dog boy. <laughs> yes, he is. He's very tiny and he's wearing a bow tie and it is cute. And last but not least, at Sports Are Bad, Craig Forsyth. Yeah, how you doing? I'm here. All right, guys. So we're just gonna start it off because there's no way to like. Okay, here it is with like a radio topic. It's Oscar Lindblom. Uh, the news came out. I guess right before the weekend. Um, Friday. Yeah, Friday, Friday afternoon. That he was diagnosed diagnosed with Ewing's sarcoma. Um, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Our boy has cancer, yeah, and that that's, fucking sucks. It's, it's, you know, it goes so far beyond hockey. Like, this is just a 23-year-old kid with this ridiculously rare form of uh, basically bone cancer, yeah. bone marrow cancer. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they, I think it's it's bone cancer. It, uh, understandably, the Flyers nor Oscar yeah, are providing any, yeah, you know, sure. details. I think it's honestly in part because they're still... I like they haven't decided even like exactly what kind of treatment they're gonna like treatment path they're gonna use because they haven't fully determined exactly where everything is and how bad it is and whatnot. But yeah, it's primarily bone cancer, but it, it can also end up like in the, you know, area around the bone as well. Okay. Um, the yeah. soft tissue. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't wanna I, I don't wanna speculate because not well it's not even none of us are doctors, we just don't know. I, I mean, and the only people that know understandably are don't wanna be spreading the details of this sure. this diagnosis around with the world. HIPAA. HIPAA. There's that too. Yeah, we learned yeah, about yeah. HIPAA from Peyton Manning, I remember. Well, I guess the <laughs> I guess the patient could if if the patient wanted to, but I don't know why the patient would want to. Oh yeah, understandable. Yeah. No, so we don't yeah. Like leave me alone. Yeah. But that's <laughs> like we'll get into it. I just someone uh in my post game last night said, Did you hear that Limblom texted TK to ask about his concussion? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like I had to like reorganize. I was like, Oh no, I can't I can't cry in front of the yeah. in front of the people. Yeah. That's like he's a cool guy, man. Yeah. And I'm just hoping everything works out for him. Like yeah. it seems like he's like it, a genuinely good guy. It would be, he, he, which he makes really, it even worse. He yeah. really is. Obviously, we're all Flyers fans. It would be all really cool, you know, if he rejoins the team at some point and is a good hockey player, but more importantly, obviously that 20, he lives. Twenty three year old kid gets to live the rest of his life normally. Yeah. Um that's he, much more important. Yeah, yeah. I mean I I want him I want him to come back and play hockey for the Philadelphia Flyers, but it's not it's not because like 
I'm thinking about this from a roster standpoint. I want him to come back and play hockey for the Philadelphia Flyers because that's what he was born to do. And yeah. I and I don't yeah. want that to get stolen away from him because of this bullshit. Disease. Some bullshit. Yeah. 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 I'm just. I mean, I don't really want to look at it from a hockey perspective. I just I'm upset for him because of kind of what you were just talking to that this was. I just look at the his career directory like he was a fifth round pick who couldn't skate worked his ass off got all the way into the spot and then wednesday last week we were talking about how he was a big reason why they lost on wednesday and then so he's hitting like pretty much the pinnacle of his career like where he wants to be yeah and then he gets this and then it just sucks it just it sucks whenever you get it but just for him especially like he actually was com- overcoming odds already and then he yeah gets and this it's just we've off. all of us kind of got into this uh, this business as, you know, the Hextall era was getting started. Mm-hmm. And so we followed this guy, like yeah. after yeah. the 2014 yeah. draft from the beginning, we've, we've followed his story. He, like yeah. we all know he's the fifth round pick that had to work on right. his skating just to freaking get here. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's the player of the year in the SHL. It's like, Oh, okay. And that and he's then, always smiling and yeah. he's always positive yeah. and he's always happy, always has a kind word for anybody. And, and then this shit happens. Yeah, I, I think that's a big thing for me, too, is that, you know, you, you and, and I'm not even saying this is the case with this particular Flyers team, because I think this particular Flyers team is, you know, on the whole, a, a genuinely good bunch of guys. But, you know, there's always that thing with fans where it's like, well, I don't know if I want to I don't know if I want to know who these people really are that I root for, because I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want to find out that actually they're scumbags. Yeah. And, yeah. and the thing with Limblom, and like, obviously, I don't know him personally. You know, I, I guess I know him professionally. I, I cover him. But he just has always struck me as like legitimately one of the really good guys in this sport and and, and it, not to say like look even if he was not a great guy it would still suck but the fact that he is just it makes it hit even harder because he is just that like he's that type of person that like you talk to him and there isn't that feeling of like hey i'm better than you because because i'm a professional athlete like he's just a genuinely nice guy who, when you're talking to him, he actually cares about what you're saying and he wants to listen to you and he wants to just have a conversation. And that's, I, I, I feel like that's probably rare in professional sports. Maybe yeah. hockey has more of so. those types um, just because, you know, number one of where a lot of these kids come from, but number two, because it's just not as big as some of the other sports yeah. in, in North America. But Limblom is absolutely one of those guys. And it that, seems it, like it makes it it makes it hit even harder. Everybody kind of in the position to be somewhat around the team. You know, obviously you don't know them uh, as personally as you know yeah. your friends or family. But yeah, it seems course. like people who've interacted with him, uh, polite and genuine, seem to yes. be like regardless yeah. of how yeah. how well or little you knew him. He seems like every interaction people come away with. Damn, he was nice. Yeah, and and that that connect me story that you alluded to, like it was. It was incredibly touching, and it was a beautiful story, the one that, that Elaine Vigneault told uh, after practice on Tuesday, that uh, that when Limblom got back to Philly, he texted, after he'd heard, he texted TK to see how his recovery from, from his concussion was going. Like, it was a touching story, but the more I thought about it, the, like, it just didn't, it didn't surprise me. Like, that's yeah. absolutely something that fits with the, 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 the kind of character that I, I always believed that he had. And now, Steph, you have details about the uh, our Festivus uh, party and how we're going to be uh, doing something for that. Yeah, so I've been I've been brainstorming what we can do 
for Oscar. And there's a handful of ideas that I came up with. And I was really lucky that they all kind of fell into place. So on top of the raffle for tickets that we're going to do for the Attic charity, we're going to raffle off a Lindblom jersey. And... We're not physically going to have the Lindblom jersey because it's Christmas season and yeah. things don't ship that fast. Um, so we will have it shipped to the winner's house. Can't Amazon just buy the NHL? I wish. Uh, Charlie, I'm, yeah. Charlie, I'm sorry. Charlie, There's a puppy like, walking across your computer right now. It's fine. I mean, but... He doesn't want to. He wants Charlie's yeah, he's, a, he's officially the BSH mascot, I think. Um, I say so. Yeah. So <laughs> we're raffling off a Lindblom jersey. Because we ha- we don't have it, we'll be able to order it in your size. And we're not oh, doing good. we're not doing the Fanatics jersey. We're doing the authentic Adidas jersey. Um, oh, cool, cool. Yes. So that is something that SB Nation is buying for us to raffle off. Uh, with all proceeds going to Hockey Fights Cancer. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, on top of that, we're going to have... Um, sorry, puppy on wires. Uh, we're going to have... 300 hockey or the hockey fights cancer I fight for signs and the Flyers organization has agreed to give those to Oscar so we can write notes on them to him if you can't come to Festivus and you still want to get Oscar your message you can do that the signs are on broadstreethockey.com just go and check out the article that says what we're doing to support Oscar Um, and then Email it to me. My email is stephanie.driver at sbnation.com, and we'll make sure, I will make sure personally that they get in the bundle to physically go to Oscar so that he knows that he's got all of Philadelphia behind him. That's really cool. That's awesome. Like, not only does he know from people at the games, but it doesn't matter where you are in the world, just take a picture of what you write on this paper, and Oscar will see it. Cool. All right. That's great. Uh, other than that, you know, everyone's thinking of Oscar, everyone, uh, you know, wants him to get better and resume a normal life, whether that includes hockey or not, not sure how to transition out of this. So we're going to hit the ad a little early, uh, and then we'll reset at the top and get into the, uh, get into the stuff we're better at the fun and the games. All right. So we're going to pause for an ad right here. We'll be back on the other side. Okay, and we are back, fam, and now it is time to talk about our Philadelphia Flyers and their attendance problems. Let's do the rest of the show on this. Let's go. <laughs> oh, God. I, Too I expensive. They've changed the game. No. <laughs> I, know. I, I swear just, I had to, to I God, had to. I am so sick of people in my mentions <laughs> explaining what is going on with the Flyers' attendance. Like, all I wanted to say last night was, oh, well, it would be cool if more people showed up for Oscar night. It's just, you know, and I think the irony of it, too, of last night in particular, is that it ended up actually not being that bad of an attendance game. It was just that the first period looked really bad because by the by like the mid second period, it just looked it looked like a normal 2019, 2020 Flyers game, which, you know, has some empty seats, definitely more than, you know, past years, but not ridiculously. So it just seems like a lot of people got stuck in traffic. The weather was bad and a lot of people just missed that first period thing. Unfortunately, that was when they were doing the Limblom gesture with the signs. So it just was glaring of how many seats were empty. 
but by the mid-second period, it didn't look that bad. Like, what was the game? Was the game like two weeks ago that was the, really bad? I think the, the Leafs. Toronto? It was the Leafs yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, like it was not by the mid-second period. It was nowhere near that bad. But by then, all the you know the narrative had been created. You know, yeah. people were talking about it, and I kind of you know got annoyed on Twitter this morning because I was like, guys, this was like a really cool story from last night that the Flyers, you know. Oscar Limblom came to practice and was like, basically, go win one for me. And, and they, they did. And they did. And we're talking about yeah. some empty seats. <laughs> <Fucking> the, <temps. laughs> yeah. the people who weren't there as opposed to the ones who were. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that the fly, <laughs> and this is already, I just honestly threw that out as a joke because I knew everyone was already fired up about it. I'm just, um, I'm just sick of I just my mentions. I just yeah. don't give a shit. Uh, I wanted to start this show off talking because I wrote this, you know, outline over the weekend. Basically, I got it started and I wanted to start out talking about, you know, how shorthanded this team is that at one point it looked like they were only going to have a Eleven healthy forwards. Yeah. They're all calling from people. Lehigh Valley. Yeah, yeah that's, there's nine of them. They're all 20 years old. Uh, but it, it's you know it, they started to get some guys back. Travis Konechny, and that's where I'm going to lead off with tonight. Because in my uh, in my post game last night, somebody made the comment that TK is the most important player on this team now. Sean Couturier is the 1C. You put him out there against, like, I mean, he's dominating the Nathan McKinnons of the world in possession. Like, he's the man. Claude Giroux, the captain of the team, uh, leading scorer always, all that stuff. Obviously, Carter Hart fixing that back end. Real important. Ivan Provorov having a hell of a season. But you just see the immediate impact Konechny has when he comes back, even though he was very clearly rusty, uh, you know, fell down like Scott Hartnell or Travis Sandheim a bunch of times. Oh, but don't that do that somersault to in the slot was impressive. Yeah. I don't know how he actually did that. But, like, the play he made to set up the Giroux goal to make that extra tic-tac-toe pass and then just the, the attitude he brings, the energy, there's a different energy around the team last night, obviously, for all the reasons we laid out, but it... it Travis Konechny has a part in that. He's the guy who plays that way that gives them that edge. Um, damn, he's really good. He is. He I, is the soul of the Flyers. And like we talk about, we just said Oscar Limbaugh was born to be a Flyer. Travis Konechny was born oh, yeah, to yeah. be he's, a Philadelphia he's Flyer. He's one of our guys. And that's Tuesday. And I wanted to, because last night it was pointed out to me as well, that Tuesday was the one-year anniversary of the Dave Hackstall firing. Imagine. Oh, yeah, imagine, imagine scratching Travis Konechny just for reasons. <laughs> they did do Oscar that. And like Lindblom, all yeah. other things or aside. Or Oscar yeah, Lindblom yeah. I will for never, and that, I will never get over just the, the lasting impression of all the things Hack did. It's his last game when he said, I'm going out my way and scratch Limblom for Leterre. <laughs> for Leterre. Like, I'm, Yuri Leterre. Like, Yuri fucking Leterre. Anyway, yeah, we've been over this a million times. But to commemorate the one year end of, because I don't want to sit here and dance on Hack's grave, but... <laughs> Are you sure? I do. Um, <laughs> he just made it you're, harder. You're not a very good dancer. He really... No, no. I, it's just oh, like realizing how bad he was now after yeah. he's gone. It's just, but that's, I, I want to commemorate his firing by going back two years. I want to go back to maybe his best night as the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. It was the night of a Festivus party. And it's a good way to plug the Festivus party because it was December 23rd, 2017. And it was the first game of the first line TK. It was the first game of Drew, 
Couturier TK. And they lost that game in a shootout, and TK went scoreless that night. And I, and I believe, I think you have it in there, I believe it was also the first game they put Ghost Yeah, and it was also together. the Ghost Proverov yeah. game, and then oh, like by the yeah. end of the year, their numbers, like every measurable yeah. scoring and otherwise, yeah, was like on par with all the best def- defensive pairs in the league. Just every single number. But I went, I went on natural stat trick, which I really love screwing around with. Charlie's got me hooked on these stats. Hey, I try. Um, <laughs> that I only half understand. But I went back, and I went back to December 23rd, 2017, and I added everything up up until last night. Every game since then. I wanted to check on his production and where it compares. Uh, he's 25th in the entire league in points at 5-on-5 five five with 87. Uh, his individual points percentage is on par with Nathan McKinnon and Artemi Panarin. Uh, 43 goals at 5-on-5, five five, more than Kane, Panarin, Kucherov, Duchesne, Goudreau. He's tied with Marshan, two fewer than Pasternak. Points per 60 at 5-on-5 five five, is on pace with Marner and Barkov. Goals per 60, he's top 15, same as Marshand. He doesn't get the power play time or the power play production that all these big stars in the league do, but at the strength that the majority of the game is played, he produces as well as anybody. Not named Connor McDavid, basically. Yeah, yeah, and and that's this isn't a new thing. As, yeah, I just as, didn't as, as realize he was yeah. that that high up. And for this is now this isn't oh December twenty. This is a two year sample size now. No, he's yeah. a, he's a ver- is, he's a very good five on five. He's yeah. been a very good five on five scorer since basically since this happened. I remember when I was doing my my season review articles after the 2017-2018 season and it was bizarre how many of my season reviews for for like at least like eight or nine players pivoted on that December 23rd December 23rd. Game. <laughs> it was like that's when everything started becoming good and that's when certain players started playing well because they were finally being put in a position to succeed. Yeah. But what's been cool this year about Konechny, really cool this year about Konechny is that I always wondered if he was just going to be a scorer, a guy who, you know, you put him, you put him on a line with a couple guys or one guy who drives play really well, and he is like the offense inflator. He's the guy yeah. who brings the brings the offense, but you can't you can't carry a line. I feel like this year he's carrying. He's lines. carried, and we've talked about that before. Like, because obviously when we I talked about that game on my post game last yeah. night people were like yeah it was genius to put tk up on that top line it was you know hacks best and then you know where that goes yeah. <laughs> we get into the playoffs and we go you're on the third line now yeah. and while it is a demotion it did like i tried to in my head at the time just be like I can justify this by saying, let's give this guy, let's try to fix our depth scoring. Yeah, let's the put, yeah, let's yeah, spread yeah. out the talent. Couturier and Drew can carry Raffle, and then if Konechny can carry another line, maybe we can beat the Penguins, who are better than us. Um, you know, it didn't work. Yeah. He, he, he didn't. He didn't carry that line. I mean, granted, now it's, it's hard to do. He's a twenty-one-year-old, and when you were yeah, Valtteri Filppula, right? Phil, yeah, yeah. I think, was that what it was? Was it Filppula and Simmons uh, and him? Was that what it was? And Simmons was like forty percent of himself at that point. Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah, that's the year his none of his limbs worked. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just to, like, but in this two years, he's progressed into that guy. They play him at the end of games now. He's not sitting the bit like he'd have two goals and he'd be like, yeah, he's stapled to the bench in the third period. It's like, yeah, I get it. But also, you know, it would make this one goal lead better if it was two. (laughs) He could do that. Imagine that. You know, I I think we, I think we talked about this in the off season and this was a hope of ours. And I think it's played out 
exactly as we could have hoped, especially considering the the tactics that Vigneault and his coaching staff have been preaching. I think these systems fit Konechny way better than Hacks did in the sense that my view of Konechny's biggest weakness is his defensive instincts. And I don't think they're ever going to become really good. In And when I say defensive instincts, I'm more talking about like when he's sitting back in the neutral zone and waiting for the play to come to him, his reads would just be bad. Sometimes he would just not read a pass well. He would be too far up or too far back. He just wasn't anticipating what was going to happen without the puck. Well, what I think Vino's system allows him to do, and I think he's really benefited from it, is he's doing a lot less waiting for the play to come to him, and he's doing a lot more of going out and attacking. And I'm, this is when I'm talking on defense. Like, obviously, he's always going to be an attacking player yeah. on offense. But Vigneault's forecheck is about going in and getting the puck. And TK is an aggressive guy who's a very good skater. And I think that plays to his strengths a lot more than what Hack wanted them to do, which was a lot of just sit back, let them come to you, and then disrupt. And I think I think this is a lot more of an active disrupt system, and Konechny works a lot better in that kind of system stylistically. Oh yeah, that just seems like it seems like such a simple thing. Like he's such an, a good attacker yeah. on offense. He can't do this other thing. I don't know. It seems like we should put one of our best players in position to do what he does well. Play that way because you, you see, like, he's one of the most he's one of the smallest guys out there and one of the most aggressive all the time. Yeah, if his reads are bad, it's all right. You know what? He's going to attack, and then someone will be behind him. If he, it, that's just put him with Couturier. Oh look. He's not that out of position because they have a great two-way center (laughs) cleaning up his messes. And it allows him to just be that good on offense. But but now he doesn't even... No, he's he's noticeably better. He's on the Couture line now, and I no doubt that line will kill it. But the line that he was on before the concussion was Giroux, Morgan Frost, and Konechny. I still think Giroux is a very good player. So I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, passing him off as you know oh well that's nothing he's with Claude Drew but going from Sean Gatourier to Morgan Frost as your center as a winger you're gonna have to do a lot more heavy (laughs) lifting and I'm very high on Morgan Frost but the fact of the matter is is he's especially defensively he's certainly no Sean Gatourier and I don't know if the if the Travis connected from two years ago would have been able to thrive to the degree that he was thriving with Morgan Frost as his center in the week or two leading up to that concussion. And that line was killing it. They might not have been scoring a ton, but they had the puck all the time. All the time. And it was awesome to see. And like that's the only thing I wish they I kind of wish they could go back to it, but I get why with the you know with the injuries and everything, they're kind of spreading it out a little bit more. And you know, now you want to try to maximize the scoring on that line. You maybe don't necessarily want Travis Konechny with, you know, Nick Albay Cubell or yeah. David Kasha. So let's, you know, let's get him with Drew and Gatorier. But that line was great, and I don't know if Konechny two years ago in the Dave Haxall system could have been great on that line. All right, uh, I want to. We're going to talk about uh, Nak and Kasha in a second, but first I just want to get to the Farabee suspension. Uh, it's been a couple days, but he got suspended three games for his hit. How's everyone feeling about this? It's horse shit. I think it's a game too long. Would be my stance. I mean, it's. Pre- I don't know what. There's no there was no That's contact the, to the head and there's no leaving the skates. Yeah, it's just a to, like it was a bad decision, but it wasn't like I, I don't know. To Three me, games it's, is too much. Yeah, the typical things that you look for: did he leave his feet? Did he hit him in the head? They're not there. Yeah, it's the decision making process 
and the fact that you have to take that out of play. Like, you mm-hmm. can't have a guy so pissed off he got cross-checked that he's just going to go try and injure someone. Yeah. I see an intent to injure in that play. I'm not saying Farabee yeah. is a bad guy. I'm not saying it was worth three games because I don't know what's worth what. And, but that's yeah. I, I can't get mad at the, the Department of Player Safety simply because I expect the rulings to not make any sense. <laughs> like, I, I just, is it worth three games? Is it worth 10? Is it a fine? I don't know. Cause it's different every time they spin yeah. the wheel. We say, and this is not <laughs> flyer specific. This shit just happens. They just make it up. I just like, I, I just, I don't like that. I, I, I was, I, do I don't like intent, that yeah. play. And the fact that it was so close to the boards, it sends a, an unsuspecting player careening into a hard surface. I, I just, I find As, that to be a dangerous, I don't think he needs to be put in jail. It was a dangerous play, and he got thrown from the game. The fact that you're doing supplemental discipline on top of that. The fact that this is a four-gamer. Right. I think that that's too much. I think it's too much. And he's a rookie who has no history of this. And when you look at... Why are you making an example of a rookie? That's and it's, that it seems like a very hockey man thing to do since we were talking about Dave Haxtell. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like Evgeny, and like, I hate to get into the comparison game because nothing ever makes sense. But like Evgeny Malkin swung his stick with the intent of hitting someone in the face, and it was one, yeah, one or two. Was it one? I, th- I, I thought it was one. But they, they do once they decide to give out the discipline. You know, Raffle wasn't injured, and yeah. that then that's what it boils yeah. down to. Like, I guess my thing is that <laughs> I actually think that the department player safety is more consistent than people give them credit for. I don't think they're super consistent, but I think they're. It's not as random as it seems when you really like when you really look at what their what their standards are, the injury aspect, everything like that. This one to me was was nuts in a lot of ways because at least this year it has been pretty haphazard. Like, okay, you could say like I, I'll 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 go with three hits here. First hit being the the Boro hit on Konechny, then the Faraby hit on Perot, and then the Kyle Oposo hit on Travis Dermott last night. So basically, what you've no, got what you've got is the the Boro hit on Konechny. It was not as late as the Farabee hit, but as Elaine Vigneault apparently went and timed it, it was only about, I think it was 0.3 seconds later than than the than the Bora hit on TK. And the Bora hit on TK also Resulted in injured the guy. Yeah. So I just, uh, like, that's where I get into the intent thing. One of those is a hockey play and one isn't. That that just me. It's not the lateness of yeah. the Burrow hit. It's that that's a, don't. Turner, like, don't throw a buddy pass, and if you're receiving one, don't. That's that's just a bad uh, yeah. hockey play that's unfortunate for Konechny. And to me, the other thing is just kind of, I'm pissed, yeah. I'm going to throw somebody. Boro was going for a check on a guy about to receive the pass. Yeah. Farabee had his eyes set on pro when the puck was away from him. So I, I get where you're coming from with that. I, If the puck had been at the other end of the ice, Farabee would have still thrown that hit. Yeah, exactly. And that's the yeah. difference to me. Yeah. But, go ahead, but, then, but then going back to the, the Dermot one, the Dermot one... It's a very late hit again. It's actually boarding in addition to it being a late hit, but I don't believe Dermot got hurt. So we just hear that, oh, it wasn't actually yep. a suspendable hit. And like, really? Are we really? To me, to me, this was if he doesn't get hurt, it's a fine. If he gets hurt, it's three games. Like, I just don't. It, 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 this really. 
this seemed to me like it should have been one or two at most. And instead, you give him three for reasons. I guess because he got hurt, and because he got hurt, like I and I, I think to me too, I don't. I think if he doesn't get hurt, I don't think he gets disciplined at all. Yeah. I, I don't. Even, I don't even think the NHL gives a shit. But because well. he gets hurt, then it becomes a oh well now well now we're gonna look at it because he got hurt and oh shit now that we're looking at it well they should be disciplined and well because he got hurt like it's all circular reason. Yeah. It's like we looked at it because he got hurt. Because he got hurt, we can't give him what he probably should get on it, which is a fine at most. So we have to give him the injury, the injury boost. But if there wasn't the injury, we never would have seriously looked at it in the first place. That to me is what happened here, and that's why I hate it. Fairby had a fucking rough weekend, man. Guys, yeah. ass kicked by Felino, and then this on Sunday. Yeah, I think it was Bill Meltzer actually who, who tweeted something like that. He talked to a scout at the game, and it, it was something to the extent of like what you said that it wasn't a hockey play Farabee's gotten the shit kicked out of them. I I think it all weighs pretty much all year by everyone who's like, Hey, look at this skinny 19 year old that I can bully. And I think after he got cross checked, it was just sort of like, well, fuck this. I'm sick of people just beating the crap out of me. I'm going after somebody. And I like, and I can't say I don't blame him at at some level. Don't blame him. And the guy he hit was not that big. Pro also someone remind me of this too. Uh, Gudis was it last year or two years ago? He was the one that whacked Pro on yes. the back of the head. Yeah, was that no, last yeah year? When, when he tried to <laughs> Ned Stark him. Yeah, so uh-huh. Pro's just <laughs> Pro's just got to set out flyers. Yeah, he's now gotta, on. But, yeah. But, but yeah, Faraby too. He's just getting unlucky on That's, like scoring too. I'll say he's just having. I'll say like I don't. Like, I, I want to get that play. Like, I, you got to legislate that out of guys' games if that's how they react. But for a guy like Farabee, who is this skinny 19-year-old kid who is getting his ass kicked, like, I, if I see him, I'm trying to, yo, he ain't going to be able to play the third period if I'm <laughs> defending this guy. That's how I'm looking at him. And, I, like, I, I get him snapping. I tweeted last night, Travis Sanheim will be a stud when he gets mean. If Sanheim had done that, I would have stood up and applauded. Like, listen, I need a little bit of that in him. I am not saying that I did not stand up and applaud when Joel Therapy did that. I, good. I, it was, you know, I needed a second look. I saw your tweet and I was like, oh, I took, I took the second look and I was like, all right. So that was very late. Like I say all the time. However, Steph, sometimes you got to do a little bit of dirty shit. I don't think, I don't think sometimes was, you got to be a little dirty. It wasn't dirty. Though. Motto, so yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't dirty. It was just late. Yeah. The, the hit itself was clean. It was just late. But it was a dirty angle just because he lined like he he was going to hit pro no matter what. Like I kind of agree with Bill. Just, but if he, he still had the puck, it would have been fine. Yeah, but also at the same time, if <laughs> but if he still if he the still had end, the puck, it would have been fine. Well, I don't know if he was injured. I don't know. Actually, no. If he had the puck, if yeah, he had there the would be puck, no. It would have been totally fine. Yeah, it was just fine. so it wasn't yeah. a dirty hit. It was just very late. Now. Yeah. Emphasis but on very the fact that he late. doesn't have the puck is why he's unsuspecting, which is what makes it dangerous. I'm also not saying it wasn't I'm just, dangerous. Yeah. I'm just saying All right. under the right circumstances, which were not what happened. It was a beautiful hit. This um, <laughs> this this conversation with all the people missing. If if if, if everyone <laughs> if everyone was still hurt in this conversation, like all the players who weren't here a couple of days ago, weren't mm. like if Kanakni never came back. This conversation, no. the point of it, honestly, I was going to build to ghost it forward. It's time, but. I mean, <laughs> I still might be there. I don't know. Yeah, with uh, with no Phil Myers, I feel like they can't. Well, so <laughs> apparently Dave Isaac got asked about that the other day, and he was like, they've considered it. 
the team. Yeah, that's I've heard that it has been at least bandied about in the coaches' room. So like they've considered. Uh, it. I've always shot it down, just as like I don't know. I see him as a guy like think- when when Brent Burns explains why he was no good at forward and is now a good defenseman. It's because like I now have the puck on my stick and all nine guys are in front of me. Well, it's also so, like, it's also because he's. A defenseman who just is allowed yeah. to play forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's why that's, it works. It's, it's he's literally, he's yes. literally allowed to play both but, positions. Yeah, that's he. He becomes a fourth forward when yes. he's out there. But <laughs> it's be, he's good at it because where he starts, like when he has the puck and he's carrying it, I get it. All four of your teammates and all five opponents aren't in front of you. It's just different. You have a different view of the game from back there. Sure, absolutely. And I see Ghost Game is very similar. He takes advantage of that time and space to make his decisions. And absolutely. I've never been for it, but fuck. I feel like everybody that wants to move in the forward is still just going to hate him because he's still not going to go into the corners or be physical or anything like that. Yeah, just wait till he doesn't lay somebody out on the forecheck when he gets... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Then he'll be like, put him back on the blue line. Well, I mean, my thing with that has always been... Like, if you want to try it for a game, I don't care. Whatever. I'm I'm interested to see fun things. Uh, My thing is that... I think he's very skilled for a defenseman. Yeah. I don't think he's very skilled for a forward. No, yeah, that's the, that like, I, I don't see him being one of these, like, defensemen who actually, like, they don't use him in the shootout like you would think a guy with his skill set yeah. would be used in the shootout, yeah. Yeah. Well, considering we can't fucking score in it. All like, I heard you, you was, know. my name is Charlie. I like fun. <laughs> <laughs> I like fun. Uh, but fun is fun. <laughs> we did still get, we did still get uh, David Kacha and NAK up. Yeah. Uh, over this, over this. Well, and we got Terensky yeah, up, and but then Terensky, he went down. Yeah, but then he got that sent back down. For, uh, for Andy, Andy, Andy. Yeah, Verobiev yeah, is Andy, here. Andy, Andy Andrioff is here. But I want to talk about Kacha and Nak because I thought they both really stood out last night. I, they had thought, good games. I thought Kasha's looked pretty good the whole time. How cool out. was even it? without the goal? I suck it, Charlie. He scored that yeah. goal, pointed right up to the press box, and <laughs> said, did. "Suck it, Chuck." He so, pulled so, it out like Joe Thornton was just swinging it. Yep. So just for Charlie O'Connor. So I. I am going to explain why on this show, why I have Uh been skeptical of David Koch for years and this still holds. It's basically that I don't, he's never really scored a lot at any level, Ever, anywhere, yeah. at any level, and uh, his his fans always make excuses because it's like, well, it's you know, it's his age and he's in this league with a bad team, and it's like, yeah, but like score, and he never really has. So I don't know if. I don't have I don't have any reason to trust that he can score enough to solidify himself as a top nine forward at the NHL level. Do I think, in theory, he could be a really good fourth liner at the NHL level? level? Yes, I actually do. I actually think that he's an active player. He's a good four checker. He plays bigger than his size. He's a fun player to watch. And I think in an ideal world, he could be a cool fourth liner. I just don't know if an NHL coach is going to trust him there considering how damn small he is. That is the only thing is I think he makes an ideal fourth liner. I would never... I don't think that his play so far is like, oh, let's try him in the top six now. He's just, no, that's, he's aggressive, he's fast, he always gravitates to the puck. I feel like that's what you want. Like, yeah. what you're saying. That's I've what you seen want him make line. plays by winning battles and yeah. that's what I want out of my fourth line. Anything I, else is... Yeah. And did you listen to his interview last night? He is damn delightful. <laughs> Who were they talking... Did anyone here on the broadcast, I think it was Taryn, like, asking where everyone went out to dinner and I think it was Kasha said Japan. Japan. I just started fucking losing it when I 
<laughs> was like, Japan. That's awesome. They went to Morimoto did anyone, because Morimoto. His post-game speech was pretty good. Does anyone show, hear? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I love the movie Semi-Pro. And they I've have never seen it. They have Vakitis, and he doesn't yeah. speak <laughs> English. Got <laughs> Vakitis. <laughs> like, I was just picturing that. Scores the game losing yeah, basket. They didn't yeah. need to. They didn't want him. Just Corn like, dogs, Jackie. Yeah. Corn, yeah. Corn dogs, Jackie. Corn dogs. Yeah, anyway. Know what you people are talking uh, about. Kancha got the goal against the Ducks where his brother plays. That's awesome. His and his parents are there. flew over from the Czech Republic to watch the two boys play that's against each other. As, oh, as an older brother, I'm a, little, I'm a little hurt by that. Oh, but that's... Yeah. And Kasha Andre got stuffed in the third period, too, I think. That was like one of Hart's best saves. He had, he had like a real scoring opportunity. Yeah, him and Fowler had like yeah. the two yeah, best He also like almost third, died, but luckily he was okay. <laughs> Wait. Andre. The, oh, Andre. the Niskanen. Boarding, oh right? yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. That was that was an ugly yeah, one, but that one, one kind of just one of them. Yeah, you don't want it, but they happen. No, I I I watched that, and I think like that was a play where Niskanen was very clearly not trying to board him; he was trying to pin him. But Kasha was bent. Was, the, yeah. Kasha oh, was yeah, bent yeah. over, so when he pinned him, he pinned him when his head went into like top yeah. top of his head went into the boards rather than going visor first into the glass getting wedged in which is a legal play and, and those, a necessary yeah, play. and those are the situations i wish they would be a little like listen i don't want clutching and grabbing in the neutral zone any more than anybody no. i do wish they would let you bear hug a little in that situation like play with the yeah. free hand and wrap him up a little maybe so you don't have those yeah, yeah. i wanted to just pin him and i could have done that if you let me lock arms with him but since i'm not allowed i bumped him and he went head first into the fucking boards <laughs> yeah, like, yeah so uh but nak uh we talked about this on twitter a little me and charlie but everyone else i want to hear your opinion why isn't he <laughs> well, isn't why is it did, why did it take losing literally the whole team <laughs> at both levels well, to yeah. get him up like i wonder what, how long if there weren't 12 injuries in yeah. lehigh would he like he wouldn't have been up right well, i was gonna say last year was i we know why he probably wasn't up i guess but he this year wasn't AV made a big thing about like size in the bottom six before? Isn't that why like Torinsky and other guys were up before NAK and they had to go back down to the I think they now. just like those guys better than, than NAK. NAK. Well, then I have nothing because I mean, I've been a, a big NAK guy for a while. I would have liked to have seen him up, up, up here earlier in the season. But yeah, he I don't fulfilled know. Steph's prop- prophecy taking that penalty late last night. <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, wait, this, the, uh, well, the one pretty they good called, hit on Larson. Yeah, which yeah. the beginning of the could have been that a penalty. huge hit was then, that could have been a penalty. But hey, the other wasn't. one I didn't think was really a penalty well it it apparently very badly injured Troy Terry because he's out out for two months they called it yeah he had a broken leg uh, at another point and it looked like he hurt the leg but go ahead Steph Troy Terry didn't do anything egregious against one of our boys did he um I don't know who can remember no, no, that was Bear like a has a lot fit. to yeah. say. Clearly, this dog does um, not think that that was a tripping. No, they, it wasn't. It, I, I mean, get in there, Bear. <laughs> I think they, got, he has got things to say. The, the call was kneeing. They called it kneeing, and it wasn't kneeing. It yeah, wasn't. He, they kneeing. didn't go knee to knee. He actually, yeah. it was below the knee. Yeah. It, I think he was he was trying to make like a hip check and and go body to body, but their legs connected yeah. as well in the course of the hit. Maybe it wasn't like. The clean. When I say clean, I'm not saying this in like it was dirty. Like he tried to hurt him. Like yeah. it was just. It wasn't. It was kind of a mess of a hit. Yeah. And 
you know, maybe it wasn't the most technically sound hit, maybe is the best way to put it. And when you're making non-technically sound hits in a game on ice when everybody's going really fast, that can have bad outcomes. But I certainly don't think it was malicious or anything. Yeah. I, or, yeah, no, yeah, I, I don't even I, think I, it was uh, dirty. It was no, just a weird he was, hit. He was going for the shoulder. You yeah. could, like, he you could, could tell he was trying to make it. a hit. And but that, I, that's always been my fear and my hesitation with Aubrey Kubel because he had that year that he was suspended yeah. he got like three, three times? times. Yeah, I think so. But he was not suspended at all last year. So, you know, let's start all over. Let's start with a, with a clean slate. Um, it was always my fear that he plays too far over the edge. But it wasn't that wasn't that a dirty wasn't hit the case. I just think, yeah, like Charlie said, mess of a hit and all that. I will say I, it wasn't kneeing and calling it that. I get why the ref thought it might have been just because the way Terry fell. That could be tripping. He did. You didn't yeah. mean tripping to. Been fine. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't mean to, but he took his skates out, and when yeah. the skates go out, it's tripping. So I didn't think the call. Like if they had given him the five minute, it was you just went knee to knee and tried to kill <laughs> oh, the guy. Man, that that would have been, been a disaster. But it wasn't. Yeah, yeah so. and, and I think it's also important, kind of going back to this uh, this idea of him going too far. I think it's important that like he really didn't do, he didn't do that really at any time on Sunday. No. I think he just had a legitimately good game on Sunday, had the primary assist on on the ghost goal in garbage time, which while well, it didn't matter, was still a nice play by him. And if you're talking about like stepping over the line a little bit, if there was a game where I understand why players are stepping over the line a little bit, it was that one. It was the Tuesday one, just because of how emotionally just charged so it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everyone was was the Flyers did not play that well, but they were say. playing hard. <laughs> there was oh, yeah. a, there's a lot of misguided energy. Yeah, in that there was game. a lot there was of a misguided lot of, energy. We want to win, but like sloppy passing. Yeah. And, yeah but they yeah. really wanted to win. You could tell they were trying. They, 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 they were they, trying. Yeah. That's, that was a 4-1 win that could have gone 4-1 the other sure, way. Yeah, absolutely. If not for the next guy I want to talk about. Hell yeah. Carter Hart. Do, 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 do. <laughs> My God. Amazing. He just, he just keeps being great, and especially at home. Uh, Hart is 9-1-2 with a 9.44 save percentage in home games this year. He stopped 40 of 41 for a season high in saves on Tuesday. Um, on the road trip, played seven periods, gave up seven goals. I don't think anyone was really all that into that road trip. I don't think you can make assessments no. about it. it. It was what it was. Hart has given up one goal in four of his last five home starts. The team, subsequently, awesome at home, 11-2-4 at home, 7-9-1 on the road. So we're talking about Charlie's favorite thing, home road splits. <laughs> but it's 17 games at home, 17 games on the road. I think enough of a sample size that we can be like, hey, there's a big difference between all their numbers uh, home and away, and there, uh, there's only three teams in playoff position that are sub-500 sub on the road. Flyers are one of them, but they've been dominant at the now, Wells Fargo Center. Real quick, can I ask? This is... The record right now, the home splits. Yes. So if you take away the three-game road trip where they found out Oscar had cancer, they're seven, six, and one. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So then, I mean, they would be above. They're above. Yeah. Yeah, technically, but I mean, but still, they I played those saying. games. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, just I don't give looking, a shit what they did on those games. No, I'm just trip. when you like, look at the it's, uh, like the other. I know what you're saying. The other teams around the league. The, yeah. the average is still like three point five nine goals a game at home. Yeah, it's sixth still, best, two point four one on the road. 24th no. in the league. Look, yeah. the, look, the fact of the matter is, is that 
you should be better at home. Yeah, yeah. Not just, and, and this is even just you know the whole home ice advantage. You have the crowd because well shit. I think the lack of a crowd is helping. <laughs> they don't hear the annoying yeah. woos. They're not getting told to the shoot. Echo, the They're happy. The the yeah, glass. they can it hear helps. each other. They can hear each other communicate. Maybe this is what has been the problem yeah, for home. the last forty Everybody fucking years. But when we're but, selling out the arena. But the, the point I was going to make was that there actually is advantages to being at home, namely. Yeah. The last shift, so you get you have that matchup advantage at home. We have Sean and, Couture, <laughs> yeah, and and that can be big when you have a guy like Sean Couture who can shut down anyone. It's funny actually that the thing about this home record that that does to me jump out as as funny and like if if you want to talk conspiracy theories, like this is a funny one to think of is like okay, so they're they're eleven two and four at home, and Carter Hart is nine one and two, which means Carter Hart has played twelve of the 17 home games like there's gotta be a and i'm not saying this is like a he's great at home so we gotta play him home this is a the home fans deserve to see carter hart oh yeah yeah <laughs> like th- th- there's there's an element to that right or, there, or, or at least maybe there was at the beginning of the year there's absolutely yeah. if not a purposeful like I'm not saying someone from sales came down to AP's <laughs> office and was like, so, hey, buddy, listen, all these people bought tickets to see one guy. And it's not Brian Elliott. And, yeah, <laughs> like, this is the one they're here to see. It's going to be a real day. But I don't, like, I'm not, I don't know Carter Hart personally. I don't know if he's the next Mike Richards. I'm just saying. He's I, the prince that was promised. I, like, like, <laughs> a 21-year-old kid, he's out on the road with, with these adults. I'm sure he has some fun i don't know but i just think like he has you bet you got a better grip on him at home the, yeah. you know like <laughs> I, well, I can't see i can't see carter having fun i would like to though. <laughs> like i just can't physically i, I hope know. he is he I plays hope he video goes. games with the others that's yeah, all these guys say, are yeah. fucking nerd i keep forgetting <laughs> they're Fort, all fortnite baby they're all these, playing fortnite these the the, the In, final the final the final stand of millennials are just real disappointment. <laughs> the 22 to 25 year olds. It's like kids, man. We were the last generation that had fun. You're ruining our name. And that's the, my the... official stance on Fair. these road home splits. Is that right yeah. there? These goddamn millennials. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. They're playing too much Fortnite. They're all. They're all cramping up on the road from sitting in their goddamn rooms drinking Shasta all night. They're all going into the same room. Was it Fago? Is that what the the uh, no one else knows? Um, what? The the soda that the Am I out of insane touch clown posse people drink. Oh, oh, that I'm definitely not out of touch. That. Juggalo juice? What yeah. is it? Juggalos, know. yeah. They they but drink like, fake. It's like oh, shitty it's soda. <laughs> it's like Shasta, but drink. yeah, they, yeah, they, they drink. Were, it's just their, I didn't know they were getting in the business up. Here, here, here I thought I was out of touch with the youths. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I'm out of touch no, with the juggalos. The juggalos, yeah. Which one's more important? Which one's more important? I would. No, Charlie wouldn't be in the insane clown posse. No, I can't see Charlie. Maybe Steve's in the ICP? Uh, no. no. I, I Listen, mean, if anybody here was a closet ICP fan, it would be Chuck. I don't know. You remember that old John Clayton commercial with ESPN? Oh, yeah, with where the like, Slayer? Like, he, does, he does his thing, and then he puts on like his like, yeah. like, like heavy metal. <laughs> that, that's secretly me. What happened to that guy? I, I, mean, think, I think I, he eventually I got laid seen... off and then just retired because he'd already made a crap load of money. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. More Carter Hart at Wells Fargo Center. Yeah. 
only the twice. prince that was promised. Please, use only his correct it, title. like he's got twelve starts at home, but one of those home games is Prague. So in eleven Wells Fargo Center starts, he's given up three goals twice. Like that's it. He's given up no more than three any uh, at home. He's just been freaking dominant. Like, is there something to it? Like, I, I don't know. I asked this about the home and road power play a few weeks ago, and Charlie roasted me on Twitter. So I, I'm, I'm more I'm more open to the concept of the team is better at home. So they play better the in whole. front of him. They play better in front. Yeah. Well, I think Carter Hart's just a better goalie. Yeah. Like the, I think that also plays into okay. it is, is, is the there... is the fact that if you're starting Carter Hart more at home, and Carter Hart is a superior goalie to the other guy who's starting more of the road games, you're going to come out maybe a little bit more confident. You're going to win because you got the better goalie behind you when you're playing at home. That might play into it. Maybe. All right. I mean, I've, I was going to say maybe there's just something with playing at the Wells Fargo. He's got used to just all the, the lights and the sight lines and everything. No, whatever goes. But, like, that is yeah. the – based on this, that is, like, the – Maybe the upgrades they made uh, fixed this because didn't – Yeah, he's pumped about Steve, the scoreboard. He's like, I'm going to see what's going on Didn't Steve now. Mason used to complain about the sight lines at the center or something? <laughs> yeah, I'm Mason. sure Steve Mason had a lot of – I think something he complained about the lights was when, the the, lights? when they, when they yeah, replaced the lights. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. All right. So, so maybe, maybe the upgrades the maybe the upgrades they made made it better for goalies. Maybe that's been the problem with the goalie position in this town. <laughs> we just the lights <laughs> yeah, have been wrong. That's the reason. The lights have been wrong. Briz would have been fine. <laughs> oh God! Can I put Ooh, out the one the one uh, Carter Hart stat I discovered last Please. night? When I, yeah. So, Is it good? Well, yeah. No, it's <laughs> okay. good. So, yeah. <laughs> then you're allowed he, to say. It. Then you're allowed. The start of last season, uh, he has four games where he has forty saves or more and has allowed one goal against, and the only other goalie that's done that is Jack Campbell. So it's, I mean, whenever he's facing a workload. He's not asked to face a ton of shots a lot, but when he does, he actually. And, and, and I looked because yeah. I looked up his splits. It was like yeah. all I looked at because I wanted to see. They said forty saves is his high for the season, so yeah. I looked at last year, and yeah, he had two forties and yeah. two forty ones. All of them wins mm-hmm. when he yeah. gets a ton of sh- and like. All right, yeah, that's the thing. If the, maybe we have a lead, and he's you know score effects and all that shit. Yeah. But it seems like Last night whenever the that. no, whenever the other team has the puck a lot, the Flyers still win. Yeah, yeah. and and it's not it, even by advanced metrics. He's you know, and this is even including that three game stretch where he was just bad. By advanced metrics, he's also been very good. So I'm looking at this from uh, evolving-hockey.com if you want to check it out. It's a good, a very good advanced stats site. Um, goals saved above expectation. Out of goalies who have played it in at least a thousand minutes so far this year, Carter Hart is seventh in the league in you know basically saving more goals, stopping more goals that were expected to go in based upon the quality of the shot um, than actually went in. He has stopped an extra 4.53 shots that were expected to be goals. And if you're looking at the difference between his expected save percentage and his actual save percentage, and this is the, the way they do it in this formula, they look at all unblocked shots. So it's not just shots yeah. on goal. It's, sh- it's shots on goal and shots that missed the net um, but didn't actually go on goal. Hart has a – his save percentage is 0.58 um, better than it's expected to be. And out of goalies that have played in at least a thousand minutes, he ranks sixth in that the NHL. Seems good. Like <laughs> I I'm not saying we get get we should get ahead of ourselves here, but we maybe have to start like accepting the fact that this isn't a case of like 
hey, I can't wait until he's really good. Yeah. And like, hey, he might already be really good. No, that's the, <laughs> like I keep one waiting for the other shoe to drop and keep thinking like, OK, he's 21. He's going to be good and bad. But he just keeps playing well. Like he's had starts that haven't been great, but not great. Like when you stop 22 at 25, it's like, all right. Yeah. That was, you know. And we, since November, he's been really good. Yeah. 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 We've talked about Charlie this just told us not to get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who we, you're talking no, no, no. to? Yeah. Your audience? Well, I was going to say yeah. last week we talked about a little bit how they've reduced the number of like shot attempts against, but the quality still seems to be there against. Yeah, that, that so, is true. So like that That's doesn't true. help Hearts, you know, if he's making 22 at 25, That's but he's the, made two or three. Like, yeah. like that Avs game, I don't know what his numbers were for that, but he made the save no, of the year. No, they have and then, five, they have 27 shots let's say yeah all right not a ton five of them were five star <laughs> scoring chances yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like, yeah. so, so if he has more games like yeah. that where it's just 40 saves and it's a big game in terms of you know all right we i, we, I have some fun stuff i want to get to before yeah. we wrap up we got a few minutes so i just want to real quick so thomas chabot uh for the ottawa senators played 38 minutes last night Seems like a lot. First of all, I want to ask, like, why? That's a lot. Like, you want this kid to be good oh, when, the senators. like... They're making well, sure. I know. I'm just like, don't you want him to be alive, alive. when you're good? You know? Don't you have a chance to someday be good and it is not now? Do you, so though? why? But I want, At like, least under that ownership, do you? I don't know. Like, they got some <laughs> good young players. Maybe some of them will turn out all right. No, just when they start having any, like... When they start having any leverage at all, they'll, they'll get the hell out of there them, because yeah. the owner's <laughs> yeah. an asshole. Yeah, I, I'm just like... What is the point of playing someone 38 minutes? But also, do we make too big a deal out of ice time? I remember a, 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 a few years ago, it was the 2012 Winter Classic when, when we played the Rangers. Uh, happened to run into a guy named Brian Prop uh, tailgating the uh, tailgating the game. And me and my buddies were like, yeah, let's talk hockey with him. We were all shit-faced, just went up to him, started talking. I'm like, I'm sure we just annoyed the hell out of him because we just approached him. But we were asking him because, like, at the time, people were worried, like, is teaming and playing too many minutes and stuff? He's like, you know when people started caring about ice time? When they tracked it. Like, huh. we, like we just played yeah. and no one knew mm-hmm. how much. Like, and they it's just fair. did. It's fair, and, like, yeah. that's how it is when you're a kid. You just, like, could Ivan Provorov play 30 minutes a night and just be fine? Because yes. I'm worried yeah. about his ice time, but then I see this and go. He'd be fine. I, you know, there's. That's the only. Uh, I think, uh, like, top four defenseman is the only place you could really make that argument. So, like, Provorov, I think if Provorov played 30 minutes a night, I think that would be better for the team. And I don't think it would be. You you made the note about centers and forwards are a lot more going up and down. Yeah, the ice. yeah. like so, especially a center. Like yeah, so if like you were to ask like, Sean Couturier play twenty seven minutes, his legs might fall. Yeah, off. yeah. Like I imagine a guy like Niskanen maybe could probably play a probably log a ton of minutes. That's too. and that's really. uh, Provy averages twenty four minutes, but he averages twenty four forty six. That's ninth most in the league. Uh, all defensemen ahead of him. There are forty seven defensemen with at least twenty games played, averaging twenty two minutes. Uh, there are only two forwards. Their names are McDavid and Dreisaitl. Every other forward in the league averaging, averaging under 22 minutes. <laughs> they're, only, they're, they're only that whole I team. I want to get yeah. to the Oilers roster and see like five forwards just averaging like five minutes a night. Hold on. just like, get back out there. I yeah. want to back up. To answer your question, do we focus too much on ice time? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. But is it also important? Yes. I think that That's, both of these things can be true. The, like I focus on the distribution. Like I don't want Robert Haig on the ice more than 15 minutes. Fair. That's what I want. How they split it up, I think I worry too much about. Like, all right, but you only gave Go 17 and you gave Provy 27. It seems like you should split that. But yeah. Provorov's like awesome, so maybe he could even play more. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> like, no, that's the maybe they could both play more. I don't know, but I, maybe I think, I've been too focused on it. Is I, what I, I'm. We we absolutely get too focused on the granular, especially when it's a bad game and you look at it being yeah. a bad game and you're like, well. Yori Laterra played eight minutes, and that's why they lost. I 100% sure. agree with that stuff. Well, well that probably is. You know. I, I, I'm not saying like, that it's not. Chris Stewart in that Penguins game I mean, played all six those, minutes. It was minus entire, three. Those entire eight minutes that you know Yori Laterra hypothetically oh, played were the last eight minutes but of the I, game, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, I made a joke. This was in the height of the Hackstall era, and it goes back to that classic. There was a classic line that Mike Schmidt, who had like a very you know tenuous relationship with the Philadelphia media and the fans, and, the fan base. and he had a famous line where it was like it's something to the extent of something to the, the extent thrill of victory and, and, then, and the the the, uh, the agony, agony of reading, reading about, about it, it the, the next, next morning. day. Yeah. Well, my 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 thing was with the with the Flyers games. It's the thrill of victory and the agony of reading about everyone complaining on Twitter about ice Robert time Hay after the game. Much, yeah. <laughs> like it would literally be twenty minutes after a win, and then I'd see people on Twitter Twitter screaming about how can X player have had twenty more seconds more than X player? Like they won the fucking game. <laughs> Chill out. And also, like, who's tracking this? Like, like that, I always wonder who's doing this because I couldn't do it. It's how are you tracking job. this? Yeah, I'm sure it's, it must be multiple people's job, right? Like, how would you know? Uh, I, don't I don't have that answer. Anyway, uh, so I want to get to the fun stuff now. This uh, everyone's how doing. How much their, time do we have left? Uh, we have like three minutes, okay, so we'll good. see. Uh, this is fun. It was just you know, people have been like, oh, this and that, the decade, best albums, best. I want to know who is the mo- like this decade of Flyers hockey has just been. Uh, it's been a, a punch in the dick. Uh, yeah. But I want so I want to know no like who re- who represents. This decade, who is the most flyer flyer of this decade of Flyers hockey? 2011. Stop it, I'm going first. 2010-11 uh, to 2018-19. Who is it? So I had two names okay. that I came up with. Both oh, of okay. them I put on Twitter. So the first was Luke Shen. I mean, obviously. Uh-huh. The one-for-one one trade with JVR. The fact that he's just a big body that can't skate, would, would lay a hit on anything it's that a great- kind of moved. But then I came up with the better answer. All right. The better answer is Bruno Gervais. Gervais, yeah. who only got a job because he was Max, Max Talbot's Talbot friend. Max Talbot, and I definitely <laughs> wrote an one. article for Bleacher Report at some point that said Bruno Gervais could easily step in and replace Mac Arl's production. Oh, God. Well, that's better than I thought you were going to be like, Bruno Gervais deserves some like Norse votes here. No, I thought it was going to no. be something worse than that. That's, I, like Luke Shen, at first I poo-pooed, but I then was like, you know, it. like the one-for-one one trade and just the for idea. For JVR. For JVR, who's now back, and like there's all that fun, and there's the like, idea. That's extremely flyer. There's the idea of leads the league and hits, and how long we've been hearing one of our defense, like that's a good, yeah. like leads the league and hits is one of the taglines of this decade in Flyers and He hockey. was like one of the last remnants of of trying to make the Flyers yeah. the bullies like, again. That's fair. He, and that's like, fair. Like, oh, he'll, oh, replace, no. he'll replace Chris Pronger. Like, oh yeah, the best defenseman since Bobby Orr, other well, than Nick Lidstrom. That's, I don't know if you know this, but he's big. Yeah, that's yeah. He's a he's a beefy boy, cool. but <laughs> he was Braden Shen's brother. Boy. And he was Braden Shen's <laughs> brother. But 
it's got to be Bruno Gervais. Bruno Gervais is good. Like, he, like so like, many, like useless on the ice, completely like, useless. Bad defenseman. It's hard. Got a job because Max hard. Talbot said, "Hey, this is my buddy." It's hard <laughs> not to give it to Andrew McDonald. I was gonna say if we're looking at like lifetime achievement, when I actually think of like the decade, like he it's is Andrew McDonald. Yeah, like, but if we're going along, he's on like, the money they print to commemorate <laughs> this, this holiday? fucking yeah. decade of. I was gonna say, but if we're going for random guys that will piss me off until the day I die, it's Chris Vandevelli. Oh God, he had no God I, I think that that's lineup. a really good one. I, I hated me, that guy with yeah. every ounce of my being, and I don't know what he's doing now, but I'm sure he's not bringing anything to the fucking club he's with now. <laughs> see, and I had to watch him for years. So. See, to I'm, me, I'm looking it up. To me, though, Vandevelde, like I don't know if I would call Vandevelde the. Like how, how did you word it? The, he symbolized. Uh, they represent, he to me he represents the Hackstall era, not this. And yeah, right. Hack was a big part of this decade, that but he wasn't so, the entirety. Because right. there's the Chris Vandevelde is not playing professional hockey any, anywhere, there's anywhere the, in the world. There's the last Probably remnants. More this year than this <laughs> decade is the last remnants of a cup contender turned into Holmgren chasing his tail, turned into disaster, turned into Hack, See, turned into now. If so, we, it's diff, it's a couple eras combining here. I'll tell you who it is for me johnny oduya that's a great oh, answer man. one game 12 that minutes a, a blunder i will never forget <laughs> that, that is a, a great just, answer it's the perfect yeah are you writing an article on the, this because i kind of need it it's I, I i put it out to the people maybe i will maybe, I, I, maybe I, a I year end maybe some year end documentation yeah. maybe it's something we can ask this might be something we should record at uh at the party and get other people's answers yeah like a history yeah. of the flyers sort of thing yeah. see i my thing with this question is that I like I, I guess it seems like what you're asking is different than what we're all going to like. It seems like what we're all responding with is just like a random dude who just like it, it em, like symbolized every uh, all of our frustrations. Well, it's the yeah. flyer, not flyers. Yeah, the most fl- well, who is the most flyer? A flyer is one thing, and then the second question is who be- best represents this decade of flyers? Hockey? Oh, that is two different questions. Because, because, because to one. me, the second one. So the answer to the second one, and this is what I was thinking when I saw this. To me, the answer to the second one is 100% Michael Roffel. and I oh. and, and I like Michael Roffel. I think he's a good player, but he was a guy who was used too high in the lineup for too long, and to me, this this decade of Flyers hockey is is a decade where it's not. If you go back and look at the numbers, it's not as bad as it seemed, but it's just it seemed bad because it was worse than everything else that came before that it ever happened in mm. franchise history. Yeah. And that to me is Michael Roffel in that like he would have okay. been he would have been fine in the right perspective, but he was used higher than he should have been, which allowed people to get angry at him for not being what they expected him to be being used in that role. I like that explanation. I understand and agree with your explanation, but... You want me to? You want me to feel about Michael Roffel the way I feel about the last decade of Flyers hockey? It's not going to happen. I Fair. would say Wayne Simmons. I would look, also like. I hate the last decade of Flyers at, hockey, and I'm not going to be like. I feel the there same are a lot of people who like Roffel. There are last <laughs> yeah, time I, I was really excited about the team was probably when they traded for Wayne Simmons that season, and then yeah. from there after that it was just. A lot of horseshit hockey, but 
Wayne Simmons was the best. And when we actually got into the playoffs a bunch of times, he was one of the best players. And then at the end of the decade, when all that run is kind of tiring and the Flyers are kind of heading in a new direction, he's not on the team anymore. Yeah. I mean, if we want to go that direction, Braden Shen, who is an actually good player that everybody Shen. hated, left the team and then won the cup. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's just representative of Flyers history. Yeah. There we go. That's <laughs> everything since 1976, basically. <laughs> all right. So we're going to wrap it up here. But first, I'm going to give every one of you a Christmas gift. I am allowing you to have the final word on any take of your choice. A take that you just need to get off your chest. There will be no rebuttal. Yours is the only opinion that will be heard regardless of how everyone else on the panel feels about this take. I hate this rule. Exactly. It's my gift to all of you. I won't even argue with it. So we're going to lead it off. That's a great idea. We're going to lead it off with, uh, I don't know, let's say Charlie. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you led me into this with the outline saying, is there a particular music take you need to get off your chest? <laughs> sure. I'll go the music take route. So my music take is probably about 80% of the good and important and interesting rock music from this decade came from the emo punk scene and they owned this decade from a rock standpoint. Yeah. Panic at the disco is pretty We're good. not allowed to re- <laughs> have any comments. Craig, do you have a take you would like the final word on? Uh, it's the germ, not Ruby. I love it. That's my stance. So, Seth, if you actually had an opinion, I think you might have to. Oh, I should have. I should have had yeah, Steph yeah, right. go it's first because right. right. now, now we talked about that before the show, <laughs> and then I fucking <laughs> forgot. Steph, do you have a take that you would like the final word on? The man named William Shakespeare did not write the works attributed oh, to William Shakespeare. I'll take that trade. Yeah, we're calling him the germ. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I am going to read Kelly's because I thought Steph was going to go this route, but Kelly did instead. Um, yeah, Kelly taking a stance yeah, here too. So yeah. she said, since it's the season, people need to understand that in order for movie for a movie to be a Christmas movie, it cannot merely be set at or around Christmas. It can't just have some decorations in the background of a couple of scenes. The fact that this is uh, the fact that it is Christmas needs to be central to the plot of the movie. If not, Die Hard, Hello then it is simply a movie that takes place at Christmas time, not a Christmas movie. That's been that's what I've been trying to say for like a decade. And now she's putting the stamp on it and making sure that <laughs> the discussion is... Yeah. And that is all the and time... And it's Kelly's birthday today. Happy birthday! Kelly's happy, birthday. Happy birthday, Kelly. She is not like here because she snowman. is currently flying to Philadelphia... For, uh, yes, she's from HB, Philadelphia. HBD, Kathy. Have a good from night. Canada. Canada. I was going to say Colorado, Kelly, which yeah. is not where Kelly, Kelly is. Kelly is coming in for the Festivus party. Make sure you are at Festivus. It is this Saturday, December 21st at Fieldhouse, but it is upstairs. So the stairs to go upstairs are near the hostess stand on the Market Street side. People don't know that there is an upstairs. There is, and that is where we'll be. We're collecting canned goods. We're collecting money for both Hockey Fights Cancer and the Attic Youth Center. I think that's it. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Oh, first Happy 50 holidays. people get a free t-shirt and the next 50 people get free drinks. I'm sorry. Happy holidays, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah.